0: Well, hello, Christ Chapel. Great to see. Thank you for making us a part of your weekend, whether you're here or joining us online. I hope you've been able to get outside a little bit. Man, these days don't come often in Texas. So get outside as often as you can. Maybe you went outside because you went to vote. Early voting started October 13th want to encourage you to go do that. The polls, at least in Parker County, were closed yesterday. I found that out the hard way. Um, So, uh, but go do that. Uh, just want to encourage you. Go back to that sermon that I preached on September 6th. Uh, Please, uh, pray before you do that. Prioritize those issues by faith, by your biblical faith. Then research those issues through scripture. What does scripture say about those things? And then go vote. I encourage each of you uh, to go and do that, obviously, uh, if you're 18. Okay, I wanna tell you a story. This happened pre-pandemic, which I know is hard for you to remember that there was a time before that. Like there was a time before that happened, but about two years ago, one of my buddies planned for me a a dream trip of a lifetime. I grew up playing soccer and it was my dream to play in the English Premier League over over in England. And my buddy, who's at the West Campus, shout out Brooks, thank you for doing this, uh, planned this trip to go over and watch Uh, Premier League games in England. And so we were trying to think about which teams did we wanna see, which games did we wanna go to. And one of our priorities was we wanted to see some stadiums that were the oldest stadiums in the country. That's kinda what, what we wanted to do. And so we focused in on Burnley, Burnley FC, Football Club. When they say football there, they mean soccer. So just go with me here. So we wanted to see Burnley because Burnley plays at Turf more Burnley the club was established in 1882 turf Moor became their official home grounds in 1883 so this made it this makes it the second longest continuously used home turf in England it was the uh, oldest in the Premier League at the time so we wanted to go see Burnley at at turf Moor. here's the problem you can't just buy tickets to go to these games Uh, The tickets are in such demand that you have to be a part of their fan club in order to apply for a ticket. So I was like, okay, I'll just apply to be, you know, I'll just become a part of their fan club. Another problem. There's no local fan club in Texas for Burnley FC. So I'm like, I know how to fix this. I'm going to establish my very own Burnley FC fan club of Fort Worth, Texas. And so for a nominal fee, I could start my own fan club so that I was guaranteed a ticket to a later game. I mean, it was, it was the greatest thing. I, I didn't have to do anything beyond paying for that membership and then officially calling myself the Fort Worth fan club of Burnley FC. I didn't have to buy a t-shirt. I didn't have to invite anybody else to be a part of my club. I didn't have to go gather with other people. I could be a fan club of one, but be guaranteed a ticket to a game at a later date. Now here's why I tell you that story. I wonder how many of us live our Christian lives as a fan club of one. We know that we want a ticket in at a later date, but we don't wanna show our support too much. We certainly don't wanna gather with anybody else, that would just be inconvenient. And we don't wanna be too fanatical, but we just wanna pay a nominal fee, whatever I have to do nominally, Cody, to pledge my allegiance, enough allegiance, that I get my ticket into heaven at a later date. You see, the problem with that is, the movement doesn't allow for fan clubs of one. The movement has always united. You see, because fan clubs of one are under the assumption that if you're a fan, a true fan, you wanna show your support. You wanna gather with other fans. You want to cheer on your team, and the movement is no different. And so that's what we're gonna study today. So if you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47. We're gonna continue to talk about God's unstoppable work in the world through the movement of his church. And we're gonna talk about how the movement unites us together with other true fans True believers, so that we can gather together, we can grow in our faith, we can look forward to that day when ultimately we do win in the end. So, let me remind you uh, just quickly of where we've been. Remember, the movement was empowered by the Holy Spirit that was promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, so that his disciples could be witnesses. They they would actually show their support for him on the outside, in public, not just be a fan club of one. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. Acts chapter two, remember Peter begins to witness for Jesus and he preaches this wonderful sermon and we're told that 3,000 people become believers that day. Now these are 3,000 believers from all different cultures, all different backgrounds, even different languages. And so you kind of go, what now? (laughs) Like, okay, they know Jesus, they're going to heaven, but what do they do now? That's where we're gonna pick up in Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47. So read along with me. It says that those who came to believe, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. They were united and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings. And distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And we'll stop right there. May God bless the reading of his word. So what I want you to see is that as soon as people unite to Christ, As soon as they're united to him, they're automatically united to other Christians. They're automatically bonded together with other believers. You see, a new life in Christ is automatically accompanied by a new life with his body. A new life with Christ is automatically accompanied with a new life with his body. And when I say body, what I mean is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is what I'm talking about. How it talks about how we, and he's talking to believers, we are all members of one body. Whether you're online, whether you're in, in the room, it doesn't matter. We all belong to this big body, the big body of Christ, big boned body of Christ but we're all joined together in a local body, a local fellowship, where it says that we are all apart. We are all members of the same body. You see, when you come to know Christ, you're automatically associated with other Christians. You might not like that, but I'm sorry, it's true. You're associated with me and I'm associated with you. And that's what we see happening right here in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves, and I want you to see the balance here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, do you, do you, do you see the balance that's there? First, you need to know, they devoted themselves. And Jonathan talked a little bit about this last week. This, this devotion means consistency. They, they, they were dedicated to this. It, 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 was a, it was sustained. It was ongoing. So ongoing, continuously, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching so it was this, this head, this individual, this head and heart, my individual walk with Jesus, but also to the fellowship, to other believers. They were devoted, if you, if you look at it again, they were devoted to the prayers. They were devoted to praying. They're not praying to each other. They're praying to God, this vertical relationship. But they were also devoted to breaking bread together, this fellowship idea, eating together, You see, it was very balanced. They were working on, they were devoted to, they were growing in their vertical relationship with God. But at the same time, they were growing in their horizontal relationship with each other. Those go hand in hand. You can't separate those two. You see, our life with Christ is accompanied with a life with his body, and that's not in intuitive to us, especially in our culture. We, we live in, in a culture that is, is very uh, customized, uh, a self service kind of culture. We, you know, Burger King kind of said it said it best when they said, "Have it your way," and we and we've always wanted it our way. And, and as believers, I, I've I've met Christians before who said. I want Jesus, just not other Christians. And, and, and I get it, because guess what? I'm a sinner. I, I'm fallible. I, I know that I will probably fail you not only once, but twice or many more times than that. And you go, I don't want Cody. I want the perfect Jesus. Yeah, I get it. The only problem is us loving one another helps us become more like Jesus. You see, you don't get Jesus without his body, and that's not intuitive to us. You can't say, I want Jesus, hold the the pickles, hold the believers, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Because remember, what, what does Ephesians tell us? That Jesus is the head of the body. You can't have the head without the body. That's not healthy, most people that don't have a body or head are not healthy. Those go together. You see, another analogy that scripture uses is we, the church, are the bride of Christ. Christ, therefore, is, as we learn in Revelation, the groom, and we know from Ephesians chapter five that the two, the bride and groom, when they're married, become one. The two are one. We're together. You see, when and People don't think through this, especially when they're, engaged, I bet you didn't think about this when, if you're married, when you got engaged, you, when you proposed, uh, if, let's just talk to the guys for a second, when you proposed and you asked uh, that lady to, to marry you, you didn't think you were asking her and her entire family, did you? Of course you didn't. There were hormones raging through your body. You thought, I get her. Yeah, you get her and her family. You, you, don't, you don't spend Thanksgiving just the two of you. You don't spend Christmas just the two of you. I got Jen's whole family and Jen got my whole family for better or for worse. Can I tell you a great joke? I have great in-laws, by the way. I, before I tell you this, I have great in-laws. Do you know the difference between in-laws and outlaws? Outlaws are wanted. It's pretty good, isn't it? I have great in-laws. I have great in-laws. I love love my in-laws. But when you when Jen said yes to me, she said yes to everybody standing behind me, everybody in my family. Same is true for believers. When you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to everybody He brings with Him. We are all one body. It's automatically accompanied. A new life in Christ with a new life with other believers. And here's why that's essential it's because the body of Christ is essential as God's tangible means to care for each believer. God puts us in a body in this community of care because we we aren't sufficient by ourselves. And again, this isn't intuitive to us, especially in the individualistic culture that we live in. Western society is very individualistically driven and oriented. And in an individualistic society, what we're grown up to to think or to even believe is you need to be an individual. You need to be unique. You need to stand out. And you need to need nothing. You should be completely self-sufficient. Don't ask anybody for anything. And if you ask anybody for anything, you should be embarrassed. Because, I mean, let's just talk about Americans. You're, you're an American, you know? You shouldn't need anything. Just be tough. Rub dirt on it. You know, you'll, you'll be fine. Walk it off. All those analogies that you want. That's how we are raised in our in our society and in our western culture and that is antithetical to the new community that we join called the church because you know what the entry into that community the entry into that body is with the uh, a declaration that you're in need of something you can't provide you need saving grace in Jesus that's what associates you with him and with other believers so hey If you're afraid of telling anybody you need anything, man, you blew that as soon as you came to know Christ. You told him you needed him because there's nothing you can do to save yourself. That's why we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he puts us in this community of believers to care for each other because guess what? We have needs. And anybody that came to know Christ in those days they would have been ostracized from their family. They would have been shut out from their occupations. It it was so different. It was so odd that you would be called a Christian, that you're not worshiping the gods of that day and people would have just stiff-armed you, kept you at arm's length. And you would have gone, man, where's my community? Where are my relationships? How do I provide for myself? So that's why God brings together all those believers and unites them together in one body, a new family, a new entity that He's creating so that they can care for one another. And we see that in uh, verses 43 to the beginning of verse 47. Look back at it with me. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. See, they create this new community of care. Remember, we, we talked about this back in the, the series that we did on the seven churches of Revelation. But let's say you were Jewish at the time and you came to know Christ. You wouldn't have been able to go into the synagogue anymore. That door is shut. You don't have a community to care for you any longer. That's why this new one needs to exist so that they could help care for one another's needs. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but also physical needs. The, 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 the money, the food, the, the benevolence, all of those things. That's what the church needed. That's what people were, were in desperate need of during those days. And it's no different for us today. And, and, and here's why, uh, uh, just two modern things. Uh, why we need the church first. Persecution is only gonna get worse, folks. It's only going to get worse where people say, oh, you're a believer? Or, oh, and they'll probably say it as, you go to church? Then I don't wanna do business with you. Or you're not welcome here. And we can... We can get upset with that and, and, and mad about that and want uh, vindication and justice and all of those are in the Lord's hands. And the Lord's gonna say, that's why, that's why I put you as part of a family of believers because this is a, a family that cares for one another. So we need to understand this because persecution is only gonna increase and, and the other one, folks, is the family is only gonna continue to degrade The degradation of the family is only going to continue. And so as families begin to separate, as families, the the family model, the family, the biblical family structure continues to get pulled apart and redefined, people are gonna say, I don't have a family and I need one, just like we all need. God knows that we need family because that's how he established it from the beginning of time. We need a place where we understand the security of, of love and unconditional love and relationships and forgiveness and provision and joy. All of those things. So that's why he creates a new family. And that's why people who don't have great home lives or haven't had a great family growing up, they say, praise God, I have the church. Like that, that's my family. And man, I get that. I, I, Christ Chapel is my family. That, that I, I care for you, I love you, I pray for you, and I know you do the same for me, and I'd give you the shirt off my back, not when I'm on stage, but I'd give it to you, and you'd do the same for me, because we're family. God created this new kind of family to care for one another's needs, and it's only gonna become more important in the future. But in order to be a a healthy family, we have to individually commit to being healthy family members. And so let me tell you, I just wanna tease out that verses 43 to 47 of what were they doing as individuals that made this a healthy family, a, a new community of faith. So let me give you some signs of healthy believers that make up a healthy body. Uh, The first one is this total devotion to biblical teaching. So we have a common understanding of care. In In the family of God, in our local church, you can hold me to anything that this Bible says. Anything your Bible says, anything the Word of God says, this is our standard. Hold me to anything here. In fact, the the New Testament is great at it, giving us a lot of very explicit one another's, meaning love one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens, et cetera, et cetera. There are 59 one another's. Now, why are the 59 one another's? Because he wants us to care for one another. He wants us to care for each other. And when we study God's word, not only do we have a common understanding of care of how he wants us to treat other family members in his family, but it also begins to change us and give us a heart to care for other people. Because let's be honest, sometimes we would love to be fan clubs of one. And he says, that's just not who you were meant to be. I didn't just die for you. I died and rose from the grave for you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And you. It, it, it's everybody. We've got to understand this is the common standard for care that we can't just expect people to apply to us, but we have to apply to other folks, to other believers. Uh, our younger son, Hayes uh, goes to a little preschool, and he learned one of these one another's in a little song that he sings. It's Ephesians four thirty-two, and it says, "Be kind and loving to each other." So one another, be kind and loving. To, he loves singing the song, so he'll sing the song to you. But then, when he's not getting something that he wants, do you know what the first thing is that he says? Dad, be kind and loving. And I say, buddy, you're not being kind and loving. No, dad, you be kind and loving. I'm like, okay, here we go, back and forth with a four-year-old, doesn't work. But we oftentimes do that. We tell other people, hey, I'm not getting what I want here, be kind and loving. But when we have the standard of care, we understand God's grace, then we understand I need to be kind and loving before I start imposing on other people, asking them to be kind and loving. Let us be joined together by his spirit with a common understanding of care from his word. So we devote ourselves to that biblical teaching. Not only being devoted to this, but being devoted to one another. Second, joyful generosity with resources, with our resources, so we can share with those in need. Joyful generosity with resources so we can share with those in need. Now, I've had people uh, already, I've had this in the past, they've they've already asked when they read those verses where it says, and all who believe, verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belonging, distributing those proceeds to all as any had need. They said, Cody, is this communism or is this socialism? It's not communism, it's not socialism. What this is, they had their own property, right? In order to be able to sell it, have the authority to sell it, you have gotta own it. So they had their own property, their own possessions, their own resources, but they were selling because they wanted to help. It was voluntary. They wanted to help somebody who had a need. And so it was simply out of their love and devotion to the Lord that they saw a need and they said, I wanna help meet that need but they did it with glad and generous hearts. I I think this is gonna be true the rest of my life, but the more that I've matured in my faith and the more that I've been around mature believers, the more I've recognized this. The most joyful people I know are the most generous people I know. I, I don't know why that goes hand in hand except God blesses that. The most joyful people I know are the most generous people I know. Those just go hand in hand. When we say, man, anything I have, the Lord's given me, I give it away. <laughs> like, you can, if you have a need, go for it, go for it. And Christ Chapel has been an incredibly generous church for its 40 year history. And I doubt you will be any different going into the future. But it starts with individual believers saying that we joyfully share with those who are in need. And then finally, full participation in each other's lives so we're close enough to see, care, and act. Full participation in each other's lives so we are close enough to see, care, and act. You see, sometimes it, what, what can happen is we can very easily isolate ourselves, and then we get into a pickle. And we go, where is the church? Where were you when? And I'm like, man, I would have loved to have been there for you, but you weren't around. Like, you're not close enough for me to see. You're not close enough for me to care. You're not close enough for me to act. And, and those folks who are close enough to other believers to see, care, and act, Man, there I get I get wonderful emails from people in specifically in home groups. And they're like, Cody, just to let you know, we went through this really hard time a few months ago, but our home group was great. They they prayed for us, they cared for us, they, they watched over us, they supported us through this entire time. And they say, man, th- they were in close proximity with other believers. We've got to be close enough to care. If you're not close to anybody, how can they care for you? That's unfair to say you should have been there. Where were you? I'll be happy to be there for you. You know, that old song, Lean on Me? You gotta be close enough to lean. If we can lean on each other, if we're in proximity to one another, and that's what these believers were doing, they were close enough to where they could say, man, you seem like you're in need. If you're, not close enough, if you're not living close enough to another believer, where another believer can say, are you okay, you seem a little off today, then you may not be close enough. Because there's a spirit, there's a spiritual connection, there's an intuitiveness, there's an EQ that goes on when the spirit is at work between believers where we say, you seem heavy today, you okay? You're close enough to care and let the spirit work to care for its body. And here's why all of that is important, because when the body is well cared for, it's healthy enough to reach out and grow. When the body is well cared for, it's healthy enough to reach out and grow. You know, if you were, I I don't mean this in a heretical way, but just think about it with me. If you were God the Father, and you had a new believer who just came to know Christ, wouldn't you wanna put them in the healthiest family possible? I mean, every loving parent would wanna do that. And I think God is no different. I think he wants believers, he, you know, at the end of this, remember it says they add to, he added to their numbers daily because it was a healthy body. It was a, man, that's a healthy family. I can add to that. I can add believers to it. That's what he says at the very end of 247. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. The Father begins to draw these people by the power of his spirit and not only draw them to salvation, but draw them to this community because I think this community was so attractive to an outside world that people wanted to be a part of it. Don't miss that very first part of verse 47. Verse 47 when it says that the believers were together praising God and having favor with all people, who are those people? Favor with all people, not not just believers. It's by the way that they were caring for each other. It became so attractive to everybody else who's watching in the world that it drew them like a moth to a flame. When I was in... uh, I was a middle school youth intern in West Palm Beach, Florida, when I was in college. And back those days, they didn't have Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or anything like that, so all of my interviews were over the phone. So when I showed up in West Palm Beach, I didn't know a soul. I knew there was a guy named Chip that I was supposed to meet, but beyond Chip, no idea. So all that to say, and it was a wonderful experience, spent two summers down there, loved it, loved the people, wonderful, wonderful church. But when I first got there, it was pretty lonely, just be honest. I mean, I'm living in an apartment with a couple other guys, but I didn't know them very well. I mean, I just met them as soon as I showed up. They weren't chip either. So I didn't even, you know, the guy that I knew well, via phone, wasn't around. He was my boss, but Anyway, I get to West Palm Beach, I'm living in an apartment, first few weeks, I was just lonely, I was bored, didn't have anything to do, so I remember one night I was going to Checkers, it was late night, Checkers, anybody eat Checkers, it's a drive-through burger joint, Uh, I don't know many of them around here, Checkers, I was going through Checkers to get a bacon cheddar cheeseburger and a sweet tea, they have seasoned fries, love Checkers, just going through there, I didn't have anything to do. So I drive through, pick up my burger, I'm eating. And in the distance, I see these like movie premiere lights. Do you know those movie premiere lights? You know that they put in parking lots or on top of buildings or whatever, to just draw attention? They drew my attention. And I was like, I don't have anything to do. I'm gonna go find those lights. Like, I, I, I'm just bored. Let me go find the lights. And so I just drove, it took me about 20 minutes to find the lights. Killed a little bit of time, but here's the problem. Those lights were in a parking lot that you would never want any bored boy walking into that establishment. And just to be clear, I didn't go in. But here's the problem. There are plenty of things in this world that are trying to attract bored boys and girls and say, we got everything you need right here, all the satisfaction. We've got joy, we've got connection, we got a good time, come here, come inside these walls. And we don't want people going into those places. We want people coming inside here. We want people coming into the the family of God, that that the light between us because of the love that we have between each other is so attractive that it shines to the world that we have favor with those people and the Lord says, that's a healthy family. I wanna add to their numbers. I wanna add people into that healthy family. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to join the movement, join the movement not only in your walk with Christ, but in your walk with each other. And it begins with this. First, don't fool yourself into believing that you don't need community and the community doesn't need you. Especially during this pandemic, we've, you've probably said, I don't need to, to, to go back. Come back to church. Come back into the fellowship. Come back into community with other believers. And by the way, I guess I've never explicitly said, if you're over the age of 65 and you're part of the vulnerable, come back if you feel comfortable coming back. Come back to church. You're welcome here. But don't fool yourself into believing it's just me and Jesus. We're good. Because you grow this way vertically, but you also have to grow horizontally. And this growth horizontally helps you grow vertically and this growth vertically helps you horizontally. Do not fool yourself The one the lion devours is the one the lion finds alone. Always, so don't fool yourself into believing you don't need community. Second, contribute willingly what you have, not just what you have to, of your time, talent, and treasures. You know, when it said that a sense of awe fell on this community, I wonder if it's because they saw God's tangible care for one another, through one another. Like when, when I pray for a need and God provides through another member of the congregation, they're like, oh my gosh. Like God heard my prayer and somebody provided exactly what I need. Maybe that's the sense of awe. Maybe you haven't felt a sense of awe because you've been living by have to rather than get to. If we live by get to, maybe maybe we have that sense of awe in how God uses us in his body. And then finally, reach out to one person you know needs to sense the tangible care of Christ. If we are called to care for one another, then I want you to reach out to one person who you know needs the tangible care of Christ. I've been praying for this time all week that God would bring to your mind one person that you would say, I know, God, what you are calling me to do with that one person. Even if it's just a phone call, if it's a text, if it's a visit, if it's a meal, if it's a hug or if it's a cry, you're the shoulder to lean on. You can be the answer to God's prayer or to somebody's prayer to God. That, that can be you. So who's the one person that God says, I put you here right now for them. Would you reach out to them? Take the initiative to care for their needs the same way that Jesus took the initiative to care for yours. You see, you don't get Christ without Christians. And we need Christians because that's God's tangible care for us. That's the movement. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness and kindness and not... Just say, you can be a fan club of one, but in order to make your name famous, in order to grow us, in order to be a witness to this world, you say, we get to be family with each other. We get to show our support for you. We get to show our support for one another. We get to be fanatics for you together. So Lord God, pull us out of our complacency if we're a fan club of one. Make us part of the family of God. We are your movement. Would you move in and through us please, Lord Jesus, amen.